Now, we've been slandered, libeled, we've heard words you'll never read in the Bible, and I'm one step away from the mad blogger, two steps ahead of the senile print journalist. We're just trying to keep the listener satisfied. Simon and Garfunkel, surely that's that's a pretty precinct and cutting-edge reference. Do you know what word you'll never read in the Bible, though? Kardashian. That's true. (laughs) There's going to be more words not in the Bible than are in the Bible. I'm just looking around the room now. Um, Tempopo. Probably DVD. Mm -hmm. Delicious? I don't know about that. That's a tough call. Depends which edition, I guess. I think that's in in the Song of Solomon, for sure. (laughs) Only describing a person, not a food. (laughs) So it got a bit weird. Look, if anyone's going to be doing the slandering around here, as 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 that's giving away, it will be us. That's right, it's Podcast the Movie, your one-stop shop for music, movies, video games, comic books, foot fetishes. We've got it. I'm joined by Joey Tribune and Chandler Bing to my Ross Geller, a sex addict and a neurotic ass, but I'm not saying which one I think is which. Why can't it be both? Alistair (laughs) Twelve. Yeah. That that voice was Rob Newcomb, and also there's Alistair Duncan. Hey, guys. anyone wants to be a Ross... I think if anything, if anything, Rob's a Chandler, and I don't know. Could I be any more Chandler? I kind of think of myself as a Monica, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you said too much. So today's show, where do we where do we begin? Perhaps with some good old fashioned advice for recently shackleless Katie Holmes, putting our noses in other places where it does not belong. Passion Pits Michael Angelicus has put together another album of splendid danceable pop, but at what cost? And because there's just too much news to fit into our schedule, we'll give you a whole stack in quick succession, Clockwork Orange style. The eye drops, not the gang violence. Why can't it be both? We'll see. We'll see. Time (laughs) will tell. Of course, there's AVNA, like a warm hug wrapped in hot Milo lathered in being bludgeoned with a phone book. And finally, we're bringing back a whole bunch of inappropriateness with a good old round of marry, boff, end or kill. Let's start the show. And or kill? Maybe. Have we changed the rules? I don't know. (laughs) Hate fuck? (laughs) They're all up for debate. All right, first story. Katie Holmes has maintained a pretty busy schedule since filing for divorce from Tom Cruise uh, a while back. Holmes, now 33, is due to begin production on a new film, Molly, which she co-wrote and is co-producing. The plot follows the life of a single mother and her daughter, according to a source. She sure turned that out pretty quickly. <laughs> Maybe she had it on the back burner for a little while. <laughs> I have been working on that one before the contract ran out. Yeah, she's, it was she's... either that or a movie about a guy who had some very compromising photos of himself and a famous athlete leaked. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. Well, his yeah. wife drunk martinis, drank martinis and laughed about it. All right, she's now 33, which was surprising because you... I guess you think of Dawson's Creek and then... Now, yeah, well, Dawson's only ended in like 2004, yeah. Didn't it? Wow, so, yeah. yeah, has she lost the best years of her life in this whole thing? I'm not saying that anyone over 30 is a but dead, dead in the water um artist, but we know how Hollywood works, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, obviously, we know how <laughs> yeah, Hollywood we know. works, we're, we're insiders. I think you know, obviously, 33 isn't you know 21, so she's not going to be getting any young starlet roles necessarily, but. I don't think she's a good actress, you know. Mm. I mean, she's been in some really good films, one of which is um, Curtis Hansen's Wonder Boys, where yeah. she played, you know, right. sort of the adoring student, which is one of my favourite movies, actually. So, you know, I think she she can handle herself pretty well as an actress. So I think, you know, a couple of sort of well-chosen indie films, a couple of, you know, character parts here and there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have faith that she can do some good work in the future. All right, is she going to be forever known as Tom Cruise's ex-wife, or is she... Probably. Ask, ask Mimi Rogers. 
Who? <laughs> <laughs> Who also divorced Tom Cruise at the age of 33, as did Nicole Kidman. Wow. Which is weird. Is that right? Yeah. They were all 33. Yeah. They were wow. all 33. That's one of those weird, like, the, the 27 Club type <laughs> things. <laughs> the Tom Cruise Club. Awesome. It's going to get creepier as he gets older, though. Like, he's going to have to marry people. Like... Abigail Breslin or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, at minimum 28, and he's already 70, so. Yeah. I mean, and there has been no substantiated reports that her final words to Cruise were, I don't want to wait for our lives to be over. Paula Cole, live in the studio today, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Unsubstantiated, but we can all dream. Uh, okay, second story. Last week, Passion Pit revealed that they were postponing a number of gigs because frontman Michael Angelicus said he needed to take some time out in order to improve his mental health. Passion Pit's second album, Gossamer, it is out now. It's the follow-up to 2009's Manners. It's really good. Yeah, yeah like they're it. both really, really awesome. First question, is this story kind of kind of notable by its rarity? It's really, it's kind of rare for, for a band to come out at the top of their game to cancel shows like this, or at least to, to really specify this is well, what it well, is. Yeah, I was going to say, like, it's, it's almost always like they're tired and emotional. Personal or, you problems. Know, exa- exhausted, yeah, personal problems, whatever. Family and, issues. And then everyone just assumes that it's drugs with those yeah. excuses. So I think it's really good that, that he's actually specified um, what this is. I mean, I don't suffer from bipolar disorder, but I have dealt with depression and stuff. So I think it's cool the more people sort of come out and say, mm. hey, this is what's happening. Well, I, um, I read the Pitchfork feature. They did a very in-depth interview with him, which was really interesting because he was very open in talking about a lot of his sort of issues that he's dealt with. And the journalist kind of told it from a, a personal angle, you know, just like texting him and, you know, sometimes getting a reply and sometimes hearing days later that he'd been rushed to rehab, you know. So it was just a very personal sort of story. And yeah, he was very kind of uncommonly open about the whole thing. So, you know, he said that he doesn't want people feeling bad for him or treating him different. Mm. And I mean, you know, I kind of feel like, you know, I just, I, I love Passion Pit as a band. So, you know, I really want the dude to, you know, get well so he can go out and play. But, you know, also I hope he does what he needs to do so he remains sane and stable. I could make an argument. If they lose any fans, they're fuckwit fans and they should... Well, I was going to say, I can't see too much of Passion Pits audience being the kind of people who are like, oh, depression's a fake illness, fuck him. It's full of shit, yeah. I like real bands that never stop rocking like Nickelback. <laughs> well, I think one one thing about their music is, you know, there's this real disconnect between the sound and the content. Yeah. Because mm. the sound is always really bright and upbeat and happy and kind of a lot of synths and yep. dance beats. But then, you know, he sings in a falsetto, so the lyrics, it's kind of easy for them to be obscured and to yep. not really listen mm. to them. But if you do, like, you know, he kind of goes into some very twisted, dark territory. Well, having said that, I've now listened to Take a Walk at least a billion times yeah, since I've heard it. Really cool. And and the more and and so it's kind of about uh, financial meltdown. Well, it's about or an it's... immigrant family who come to America and build up from nothing, but then the dad's business partner loses all the money. Yeah, you would never consider just by the <laughs> phrase "take a walk." It's like yeah, uplifting. <laughs> yeah. It's like Aww. your pitchfork said. You know, it's going to probably be used in like a mobile phone commercial or something <laughs> yeah. by people. It's actually funny. I interviewed Devo recently. Yeah. And um, Jerry Casale said that like you know no one ever listens to their lyrics and they once made an album with Disney where kids sang the songs but then they had to re-record them all because no one at Disney read the lyrics until one executive did and was like, we can't have kids sing any of this. <laughs> so, you know, it's a similar story. I think. Yeah. Mental health concerns and music kind of have this long history, perhaps not more than any other industry. Does it follow the whole kind of wounded, tortured artist thing? I mean, you can look back at maybe Brian Wilson, Daniel Johnson, more recently, like even Mark Everett of Eels, who also has that kind of super happy sounding 
incredibly terrifying lyrics. Well, he's also been pretty open about having bipolar disorder, I think, as well, so... And he had a terrible upbringing. Yeah. Yeah, there's that biography where everyone dies. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, wasn't it like one of his family members was murdered and then uh, like... His sister one suicided. and died very close together. That was that album that had like, Stop This Town on it. It was all about that. Uh, was that Elect- Electroshock Blues? Yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, and finally, hold on to your asses because otherwise they're going to explode through your seat. Yeah. There's too much threat... Let's follow through. There's too much <laughs> pop culture news to fit into a podcast, but we'll try with some rapid-fire news and a mini-segment called Results May Vary. We'll have 30 seconds to talk about each before I stab someone in the throat. High-stakes news reading. Let's oh. go. Okay, Fox Studios in America have announced a new show called The Short Com Comedy Hour. There's going to be a multi-camera show including three short stories created by comedians that could be turned into full shows down the way. So they're bringing back multi-cam Laugh tracks, presumably. This is a, the worst idea ever. So somebody just saw that episode of The Simpsons where they do the three exactly. spin-off pilots and went, eh, let's do this. Yeah. That's basically it. Yeah. I guess if they have some decent talent in there, like the multi-camera format is kind of, it's kind of been superseded by the single-camera format, mm. but it can still work. So if they have good writers... Yeah, as long as they're not thing. just like pulling out Carlos Mencia and mm. it's all Ray Romano, it's just all stuff about how suburban life is crazy. Oh, my brother's tall. <laughs> Bearded Buddhist production titan Rick Rubin will not be receiving a Christmas card anytime soon from David Crosby, Still, Steve Stills or Graham Nash after a scrapped collaboration. In an interview, Graham Nash accused Rubin of telling uh, collaborators what to do and that after almost 50 years of making records, we think we know what we're doing. Okay, first of all, those guys have made like four records in the last 40 years. Yeah. The one thing they do need is a guy that can kind of push them around and, and smack them about a bit. Otherwise... They'll just have to go have liver transplants and do a bunch of coke. My feeling is that they should definitely listen to their friend Rick Rubin because he is a cool guy. And like, he sorted Johnny Cash out pretty well. Do, do, do they think they're above Johnny Cash? This is what I'm Or thinking. even Neil Diamond. Wow. Who did a good album. To, oh, I, I haven't heard that album, but apparently it was good. Happy times. Rubin, he's got the magic touch. I have no idea. I think how actually to... the real issue that is not being talked about is that David Crosby trimmed off some of the beard and smoked it. <laughs> <laughs> now Rick Rubin is really pissed. That's actually what's happened. Yeah. But you, it's like the giving tree. You just take a bit. Ah. You never notice. <laughs> okay. Mad Men creator, Matt Wiener. That's that's a consensus. It is from now. Has promised that the character of Peggy Olsen, who quit Sterling Cooper, Draper Price, Stills, Nash and Young in season five, will write again in the next series. Hooray or Hornay. Well, I've only seen Mad Men up to season two, so I'm gonna bow out. But you'd like to keep her, right? Well they oh, bring sure. people back. You know, people have criticized um, January Jones coming back as Betty Draper after they divorced. Back so Betty. she's had nothing to do. But back she home has home. had a lot of interesting things to do, you know. She's kind of she haunts Don. So, you know, I think that seeing Peggy at a rival agency is gonna be good. Like, you know, seeing her maybe come into her own or maybe you know, realise that it's burn. not as great as all that. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean she and Don have such an intimate relationship without them ever making it sexual you know people tease her about that and him about that but you know the fact is they're just really good friends and contemporaries who respect each other the buddies seeing that relationship kind of torn asunder somewhat with her working somewhere else yeah interesting to see what happens I think so no freeze frame high fives anymore (laughs) which plagued the fifth season obviously (laughs) Uh, Damon Albarn blur frontman and all round cheerful guy has bucked his character traits this week by getting all glum about the Olympics specifically the capitalism of it all uh, not glum enough to not headline a closing concert, of course. Presumably the Olympics has only just become commercial, like in the last <laughs> three weeks. It seems like, why take their money and then get all pissy? Yeah. It worked for 
There's a really specific example. Oh, David Cross. It totally worked for David Cross. Yes. Take the <laughs> take the Smurf money or the chipmunk money or whatever and then be like, that movie was terrible and they were dicks. Yes. that's Well, that's exactly how Damien Albarn talks. Mm. Anyway, so yeah. that'll be good. Although he's supposedly a bit of a dick in real life. Good stuff. Uh, Ron Howard is getting further into building up her expectations for the Arrested Development reunion. Her expectations. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you call it. Yes. That's what uh, your mom calls it. Hate. Taking a photo of a supposed script appearing on an iPad and then posting it onto Twitter. Are we more or less sure that it's going to happen? And how does this guy not know how to take a screenshot? It's take a photo of an iPad. It's, I don't know, it's weird. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That is weird. Mm. Um, this guy wow. is supposed to have our future in his hands, people. <laughs> well, I mean, I thought it was confirmed that this was all happening a long time ago. So it seems like the internet has said... Oh my god, maybe it's happening. But like, wasn't it already happening? Like when Netflix announced that they were making more episodes of the show. It seems like everyone's <laughs> everyone doesn't want to believe it or set their expectations low. So when it crumbles, they're not feeling too bad. And if it does work, then they're like, yay. Yeah, I do feel like everyone has decided. Like, I guess I, I think it's probably like certainly on the AV Club, it's a bit of a, a joke at this point <laughs> about like how many times it was going to happen and then didn't happen. Mm. Mm. Um, but yeah, it seems like a fairly sure thing at this point. I'm still not sure that I want it to happen. I do. I'm in the do camp. Mm. Yes. Oh, I mean, I'll definitely watch yeah. it, but I just hope it's not crushingly disappointing. I'm with Mitch. I kind of feel like, you know, if, if anything has to have a crass reunion that might be good, Arrested Development has the best chance of actually being good. Mm. Okay. Kristen Stewart cheated on boyfriend Robert Patterson with some old film director dude. This should be obviously a time for reflection and honesty with people close to her, so of course she issued a short apology statement on the People website. Right or wrong? So was it sort of like apologizing to Twilight fans for yeah, cheating on? Yeah, that's Edward, the weird thing. Like, why do you have to apologize to anyone that wasn't directly affected by it? There's some kind of PR strategy at work here that I don't think any of us fully grasped. <laughs> yeah. it's so, no, I mean it's got to be so Byzantine. Like someone somewhere obviously has decided that she's at a phase in her career where this is something that needs to happen for some arcane reason. So you know, it's the happening. prophecy. Yeah. Calls for it. <laughs> like, maybe this is her way of, like, transitioning into more adult roles and, like, breaking away from that Twilight sort of fan base. Like, there's this one girl, this Scottish girl, that goes on YouTube and just weeps openly every time there's a new Twilight trailer. Yeah. And she was just hysterical over this. I, you feel bad watching her. So maybe it's, it's an open letter to her. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, people like that have reacted very badly to, to this whole thing. I mean, like, fuck, who cares? Obviously, people care. Yeah, but, like... but why? Okay, finally, let's wrap it up. Green Day, who are apparently still a band and not just an advertisement for old man eye makeup, are readying to release their three-album trilogy, Uno, Dos, Tre. Oh, my God. Yeah, wow. wankers. And now they have revealed that one of the 38 songs, Amy, was written in response to Amy Winehouse's death last oh, year. Oh, what a bold Because obviously, they are, like, close out. Tight. They were clearly tight, yeah. I don't know, it's maybe slightly less distasteful than Coldplay last year at Splendor. They, before they played Fix You, they did a snippet of a cover of Rehab, hence, like, implicitly dedicating Fix You to Amy Winehouse. Which, which is just about like setting someone on fire. Like, so. retroactively. <laughs> if you listen to the lyrics of that song, Lights will guide you home and ignite your bones. That's like some girl with a dragon tattoo shit. <laughs> <laughs> just imagine They're going to give her a Viking funeral. Selling yeah. Skarsgård. Like, ignite <laughs> ignite your bones. Setting a prostitute on fire. That's what I imagine when I hear that song. <laughs> no, it's my, it's like, who listens to Green Day? People I used to work with. They, they still have a fan base out there. They're, I mean, mostly, clearly they do. They're a huge band. But yeah. who? Who? Um, <laughs> people who hate indie rock and hipsters have a really 
big fixation on Green Day. Yeah, right? yeah it's, it's authentic rock and roll. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's, it's that bullshit. Mm. Uh, that's all for our news today. Follow our Twitter account at Podcast The Movie if you want to find out more or check out the SoundCloud page. And now it's time for AVNA where we pick the best audio, visual and all-round awesome things from our week. I'm going to kick it off with um, an album that I'm still kind of digesting. It's it's from Baroness. They're a four-piece sludge metal band from Savannah, Georgia. So their new album follows their colour theme titles of the previous ones. Uh, so it was originally the Red album and more recently it was the Blue Records. So this one is Yellow and Green, which makes... I don't know what Yellow and Green does. It kind of makes a yellowy green, I think. Okay. Initially, they were just a very easy, easily categorised sludge rock, southern metal type type out type band on the blue record they started doing some more um acoustic little bits uh even bits that were kind of evocative of maybe alice in chains and some grunge and yeah now that you've got two whole albums worth of just being able to do whatever the frig you want so it goes from you know straight speed metal almost there's there's some drum machine uh, electronic experimentation uh, john congleton produced it who he did the blue album that was a weird pairing at the time kind of like this indie king who does everyone from like the shins to the mountain goats to the last couple of explosions in the sky albums mm. he brings a bit of a pop sensibility if that can be said and also the very cinematic qualities of, of uh, maybe kind of explosion in the sky stuff. So yeah, Baroness Yellow and Green is out now. Cool. Well, my audio for this week is um, different end of the scale. Uh, you know, Lana Del Rey is playing a Splendor in the Grass today. She is sadly not coming uh, up this way on mm. this current Australian tour. Lana Del Rey has, however, done some sideshows. She did one quite recently in Sydney. And uh, there's a video circulating on the internet at this particular show she covered Heart Shaped Box by Nirvana. Yeah, I'm not okay. the world's biggest Nirvana fan, although if I had to pick one of their albums, I'd probably pick In Utero, just because it's like the weirdest of all of them. Yes, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But she did a really, really good version of this song. You know, people who went to the shows remarked on how they were very stripped back, you know, very little percussion, not many beats. It was kind of all about the more lush side of her sound. There was sort of some kind of a hedge at the edge of the stage. Like the person who shot this film was shooting it from probably about a 45 degree angle. And there was this little hedge that was about, I don't know, sort of knee high. So it was kind of like she was dressed in this diaphanous white gown with a, a halo on and like walking through a garden or something. But, you know, the, this cover of Hard Shape Box, it was very kind of twangy. Um, you know, her whole sleepy vocal style just kind of lends itself really, really well to that particular song. Mm. And, you know, people ragged on her a lot for giving what they said was a bad performance on SNL. I didn't think it was that bad. It wasn't that great. But I think she's gotten better as a live performer, clearly, since then. I, I'm looking forward to seeing her when she eventually comes this way or I go down south to see her. Well, speaking as we were earlier about old dudes working with Rick Rubin, yep. um, I've been listening to Jimmy Cliff's new record this week. Um, so the thing here, like, like a lot of uh, classic roots reggae artists, Jimmy Cliff's output over the last 20 years or so has been kind of really chintzy and overproduced. Um, for the most part and a lot of like you know trading on old hits so this time he's worked with Tim Armstrong from Rancid who I'm kind of unashamedly a fan of um, Armstrong played on the album produced it co-wrote it um, but it doesn't you know if you're worried that it sounds kind of cartoon punk like Rancid it's mm. very much like a, a stripped back rough and ready sounding roots reggae record uh, a couple of really good covers on there there's a version of Guns of Brixton yep uh, and Rancid's Ruby Soho which fits quite nicely into like a 
sort of early scar rock steady kind of feel. So yeah, Jimmy Cliff, like he's he's still in fine voice. Like his his voice kind of is a little bit huskier and breaks a little bit more than it used to, but it really works in the context of this record. Uh, it's just nice to see him doing something that's sort of, well, listenable again, because that is a problem with older reggae artists. It's a pretty good record. If you don't like reggae, you're going to hate it because it sounds exactly like reggae. All right, so for the Vs, first round of... I've just, just stumbled upon a, a new show, a new web show that Jerry Seinfeld is leading. It's called Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. It's the title. Um, you can kind of figure it out from there. Essentially, it's like a 15-minute to 20-minute skit. There's an uh, episode. There's only been one to date, but the formula seems to be Jerry Seinfeld drives around in a super expensive car, of which he has many, picks up a friend comedian, goes off to get food, and then they just... Just talk shop a little bit. What are you laughing so it's about? Kind of like a, a G-rated version of almost everything else on the internet. <laughs> uh, so the first episode was him and Larry David, which is fantastic because I think apart from that one episode or that that one season of Kerber Enthusiasm at Seinfeld reunion, I'd never seen them actually working together in the same room, mm. um, and and how they have this real fantastic comedic conversation let's not kid ourselves it takes Larry David to make Jerry Seinfeld funny you think Larry David like Jerry Seinfeld plus Larry David equals comedy gold Jerry Seinfeld without Larry David not so much not so much are you just looking at B-movie or I'm looking at God like the marriage ref and his or in those kind of seasons of Seinfeld where he was pulling back yeah yeah yeah, no, I can, I can. It just seems like everything that. he does without Larry David is just kind of smug and not that funny. But mm. it doesn't go the other way around. Larry David went, made good out of that one. Mm. Yeah, uh, and so the next episode, I have no idea what how what regularity they're going to post up. The next episode is going to be Ricky Gervais. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. Mm. My V for this week, uh, as I've been talking about for many months, um, the new Kingdom Hearts game is just out. Maybe. Can't even talk about it yet. I will just get too emotional. <laughs> I haven't actually been able to prepare a statement as yet. So, uh, that's <laughs> posted on the People website. But uh, prior to that, to keep myself amused, I was playing on the old PS2 um, Final Fantasy X slash Final Fantasy X. I don't know what the official word is on how to actually say that. No. Either way, this it's really good. This game is ten years old, but it looks like particularly in the cutscenes, totally gorgeous. You know, it was like the first fully three D animated Final Fantasy game, the first one to feature like voice acting all the way through. You know, typical Final Fantasy story. These four heroes, oh, more than that, actually have to go out and visit a series of ancient temples and defeat a bunch of arcane monsters and level up their abilities, like in magic and weapons and whatever you know, in order to meet this ultimate goal. But it's kind of, it's got a very surreal plot. There's this guy, uh, the hero, who plays kind of like a, a weird version of water polo slash soccer, whose city gets destroyed by this giant monster and he gets thrown a thousand years into the future, uh, into this sort of dystopian world where everything's regressed back to like, you know, ancient times. It's really bizarre. I can't explain it. Yeah, it's just too weird. Yeah, it's a very good description. But um, <laughs> that plot. you know, the gameplay is really great. I love Final Fantasy, and I can't believe I've never played this one until now because it's really good. All right, well, my video for this week. Um, I did go and see The Dark Knight Rises last week, and it was a midnight screening because I am insane. Uh, so yeah, so I got that at a midnight screening, which means that I missed the Man of Steel trailer, which or teaser, which was then released a couple of days later online. So yes. that's what I'm talking about today. Uh, they released two different versions of it. I've um, still only seen one. 
There's one with Kevin Costner voiceover as Parkhead. No, I haven't seen that. The one with Russell Crowe as Jor-El. Well, yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, the footage is all the same, but there are two separate voiceovers. Um, I'm not sold on the tone. I'm worried that it's going to be too somber and Batman Begins-esque and that that doesn't really suit Superman. <laughs> What what is what really excited me about this though was the the version of the trailer with Russell Crowe as Jor El doing the voiceover. The lines were taken virtually verbatim from Grant Morrison's All Star Superman, which right. is the greatest Superman story of the last twenty years, if not one of the greats of all time. Um, so if they're taking a, a leaf out of Morrison's book for this movie, then that really gets my hopes up that it might end up being decent. How does Superman shave his beard? Um, okay, in the comics, is, at is there like times, a kryptonite razor? He he used, um, like in the Silver Age, a piece of the rocket ship that he arrived on Earth in yep. and would bounce his heat vision off that That's and fantastic. use it to shave his face. Yeah. I'm so it's glad that people have actually like thought about that. With his pubic area? I would assume or so. Or just a yeah. haircut. You had he to go is. for pubes, Alistair. <laughs> have, you, have we met? <laughs> <laughs> well, he has, he has long been an advocate of manscaping, so I can only assume that that is the case, Al. Uh, my, my awesome this week is a magazine that I've just found out about. Um, I downloaded it on my, my tablet from the Zinio app, which is just, you know, a, a house of various magazine subscriptions. The specific magazine is called Self-Titled. Um, they haven't been around for too long. I was drawn in with um, the, the cover story of, of uh, Brooklyn rapper, producer LP. Um, it's it's pretty far-spanning interview that talks about his production work all the way to, through to, to his label definitive jux um, falling through, I believe, or is it's been put on hiatus. Um, elsewhere in it, you've got interviews with King Tough, uh, Twin Shadows, who teaches you how to cook salmon, asking Baroness what their favourite concept albums are. The thing I really, really like, this is this is the first example I've actually used of the interactive editions of a magazine. It allows you to, to take you to the band's website, to straight to a, a SoundCloud page. The editor, for example, did a Spotify playlist of, of his favourite uh, definitive Jux songs, videos, other articles. You know, if, if people are worrying about magazines dying out as a physical product, then they need to build up the replacement. And I, yeah, this is on the right path there. Uh, my awesome thing for this week. Uh, basically, I um, was reviewing an Oh Mercy single for a magazine and um, found myself Googling the lead singer Alex Gow and ended up at this site, Nerve.com, where um, they've asked a series of Australian rockers to give their sex advice. Yeah. Uh, you know, it sounds kind of lame, but, you know, it's it's young indie rock people. It's funny. There's a picture of him looking a lot like Jason Sudeikis from SNL, but with a beard. It, just his sex advice is quite amusing. You know, Wouldn't his... The... I, I just think of his sex advice would be like, you know, stare awkwardly at the ground until someone <laughs> comes and asks to have sex with you. Well, one of the questions they asked is if Oh Mercy were a sex position, what would it look like? He replied, it's probably the guy on Skype asking his girlfriend to undress for him. So, you know, <laughs> <that's>... <laughs> it's very clever. So he talks about, you know, places to do it in public if you happen to still live with your parents. Uh, he advises people to hook up in front of a church because he did that once. Very candid advice. Like, we're really getting down to brass tacks here. But, you know, I just <laughs> found that quite amusing. So that's that's my awesome thing for this week. Okay, well, my, my awesome thing for this week is actually something that Mitch talked about last week in my absence. Yeah, I did. Um, that's but, what happens when you miss out. Yeah, apparently so. But before having tried it, so PJ Steaks, as Mitch was talking about last week, Philly-style cheesesteaks in West End, we actually went there this week. And holy shit, it's really good. Weirdly, like, I'm a big meat eater. The, the standout was the bun. <laughs> yeah, so is your mom. <laughs> <laughs> the standout was the bun, though, like, surprisingly. Like, the meat was really nice and the cheese, but they have these buns custom-made, and they're just, like, really soft, 
like soft, lovely white bread, but not overly sweet as some yeah. white bread can be. Not that terrible American stuff. Yeah, it's just yeah. a bag of sugar. Exactly. Well, a friend of ours who's Which actually... I actually like, but I have disgusting, <laughs> horrible, unspeakable <laughs> eating habits. Um, yeah, so a friend of ours who's actually been to Philly and eaten at Pat's and Gino's, who are like the always competing kings of Philly cheesesteaks, she prefers PJs in West End. So I think that's for precisely the reason that the bread is not overly sweet. Yeah. And that we get a slightly better quality of meat here, I think. Look, well. any bread that you can actually fashion a house or, you know, <laughs> makeshift tent out of is not a bread that you should actually be eating. Not a consumable product. No. Um, but yeah, so they're at 173 Boundary Street in West End. Just a reminder from, you probably said that last week no, as well. No, I had no idea where it ah, was. Nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, delicious. If you're there, like you've had a few drinks or whatever and you don't want to get a kebab, get a cheesesteak. You've probably never had them before, but they're fucking amazing. So. And they had Samuel Adams Boston Lager. So I pulled out my shittiest slash best Boston accent. Uh, and that's it for our AVNA this week. Listeners, if you want to find out more about anything we've been talking about, follow our Twitter account at PodcastTheMovie or check out our SoundCloud page. Now, it is a question that has plagued mankind for centuries, specifically middle-class white mankind, because most people have better stuff to do with their day. Mary Boff Kill is the name of the game with plenty of shame and very little fame. I will rattle off a, a trio of thematically linked people, and we get to decide as a collective which we would rather get matching crockery with, a one-night stand, or death by our hands. I'm rhyming way more than I thought I would. <laughs> and so, we're a collective now, apparently. We are. Commie. We're a hive mind. <laughs> Yeah, me and Obama. Just like collective socialist assholes. Obama. Obama! Alright, sounds simple enough. We'll start off with a trio of Tom Cruise's now former flames. Katie Holmes, Nicole Kidman, and his Scientology progenitor, allegedly, Mimi Rogers. Marry, boff, and or kill. Interesting you should say flame, because I think flame, I think redhead, I think redhead, I think fire crotch. Probably boff Nicole Kidman, just to see what's going on down there. I'd marry Katie Holmes because, you know, I just I just like her. I'd want to, you know, hang out with her, try and get her career sorted out, just give her some encouragement. And do you think you're the person to do that? I don't, I don't think I'm not the person to do that. <laughs> okay. So I, what... I feel like I could do a similar thing with Lindsay Lohan maybe. Just hang out, just get her to ease off a bit. Kill just, Mimi Rogers because just... no offence, but I don't really know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> she takes no offence to it. Yeah, I don't actually know what's... Like, I remember she was in Lost in Space, I think. She was. That remake, and then... Oh. She was in Ginger Snaps. She was the mum in that. But yeah, I'm, I'm marrying Katie Holmes as well because of the generous divorce settlement. Oh. I want, I want some of that action. I'm, I'm killing Nicole Kidman because even though I like redheads and I'm equally intrigued... Um, I've seen, I've seen. Well, Alistair can just let you know. Yeah, that's true. But also, I've seen Billy Bathgate. So I can assure you that it is, it's me. quite gingery down there. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, I guess... Uh, well, I guess that means I'm buffing Mimi Rogers. She was pretty stacked. Someone has to. So. <laughs> okay, now slightly different, but slightly similar as well. Joey Dawson or Pacey from Dawson's Creek? Well, you know what? I think marry Pacey because, you know, he's hot. And he, he's practical. He can, like, make stuff with his hands. You know, he could make you a house that you could live in. So I'm, I'm marrying Pacey. I'm going to buff Joey because, you know, whatever. She seems nice. She'd be up for it. Whatever. Kill Dawson. He is like a pariah in his own show. Someone pointed this out recently on the internet. There was this article about like characters in TV shows who became superfluous. That one of the prime examples was Dawson in Dawson's Creek. Yeah, like they absolutely. had to manufacture plot lines to give him something to do because he was just the least interesting character. Mm. So yeah, Mary Pacey, Boff Joey, Kill Dawson. What did, what does he even do with the creek? What's it for? 
jumping into? I don't know. It, they, it sort of it earns some thematic resonance around the last episode. Oh, okay. but, you know, I won't spoil it for you. It's, uh, it's his childhood sled. Yeah, I think, you know, Pacey's probably the most entertaining out of the crew. So in terms of longevity, mm. probably, you know, make a, make a whole thing about throwing back one-liners at each other and, and fast-talking. And in practical terms, him... Joey is a lady and you are a heterosexual man, so Indeed. that makes sense. <laughs> Thank you for that. I mean, sexually, uh, Pacey is very gifted. You know, he like banged a hot teacher in season two. Um, and I guess process of elimination, I am killing the fuck out of Dawson. Kill Dawson. Okay. Uh, from the world of crystalline dance electro-pop heartthrobs, we have Michael Angelicus from Passion Pit, Brandon Flowers from The Killers, and Yaysayer's Chris Keating. Fuck, I've been a bad influence on you two. What? Two heterosexual men. Every married buff kill we do seems to be dudes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not complaining. Well, I think if we it pull out girls, me. like, we just sound, like, misogynist. Yeah, we just kind of sound horrible. I kill Chris Keating. He's, yeah, just, Chris Keating. he's just too scrawny. Yeah. He's like a, you know, chicken wing. Kill Chris Keating. Bang Michael Angelakos just to cheer him up. Hmm, that'd be nice. Too soon. Again, you think you could do that? <laughs> yes. You could bang the happy into him? I get a glass of lemon, say I could. Uh, and marry Brandon Flowers. Now, see, marrying Brandon he's Flowers. He's a woman. It'd get you, weird, but I'm up for the challenge. You can try to ruin him. Are you going to wear the magic knickers? Yes. Cool. I'll yeah. Well, any thing is Brandon Flowers. Like, he's just, you know, he seems like he would be just a very sensual person, you know? he's <laughs> He's a storyteller, you know? He... Just and he's hot, so I would marry him. I think Brandon Flowers and I could have long nights just talking about Bruce Springsteen B sides. So Pilot. I think there's there's a bit of um, added added value in that. Mm-hmm. So he's what is that already? But I feel like I've seen Big Love. You know, I know what goes yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you put it in that terms, he'll be all for it. And so I guess we're sticking it hard and fast to to Michael from Passion Pit. Yeah. <laughs> Sticking it in his passion pit. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty much with you guys on that one as well. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Angelakos. Yeah, I'm not, inti- not entirely sure I was pronouncing it right. Angelakos? Okay. Yeah. Oh, neither am I, actually. That's my, my default, but I don't know how it's pronounced. If my, it's, if my understanding of Greek is correct, it's it's either of those pronunciations depending on where in Greece you're from. All right. Like um, Alex Kapranos from... Uh, oh, yeah. France Ferdinand. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's Kapranos. Also, it's from it's from, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's the penalty if you get it wrong? He bangs you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, now we have the case of the three Sherlocks. Benedict Cumberbatch, Johnny Lee Miller, and Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. has come up previously, I think, in when he was Iron Man. Yeah, did we do a superhero one? Yeah. Like we probably have. I think we may have just said, kill him, otherwise he was going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. or, or he'd just be so aggressively righteous. That's right, yeah. And I think he'd be an indifferent lover as well. He has too much levity. He'd had too many There's stories. such a thing as too much levity. Robert Downey Jr. has that. Mm. He does have a, perhaps a surfeit of levity. <laughs> yeah. So are we killing him on that basis? It seems well, like you see, a harsh thing to bring down the death penalty for, but that's what we do here. So. <laughs> We've done it for so much more flippant reasons. Yeah. I feel like I would also have to kill Cumberbatch just, you know, to make sure that whatever he is doesn't spread. You know? <laughs> 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 like, <laughs> there's something going on there. He is like some kind of weird stick insect species come to earth. <laughs> For what reason, I know not. I guess to get fangirls' knickers wet, but like... And I to reach new levels of baritone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, oh, I don't know. I'm a bit... I'm, I'm too proud to make him uh, any sort of long-term or even very short-term uh, prospect because he'd clearly be the alpha male. 
in this yeah. type of relationship. Cumberbatch. Yeah. My concern is... Like, I think he would just talk to me and I'd be like, yes, sir. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. He could read you poetry. He does that on YouTube and it's quite nice. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm marrying Cumberbatch. I'm killing Robert Downey Jr. And I guess that means I'm boffing Johnny Lee Miller, but I really feel like we've all lost out if that's the case. Well, I guess like in a future dystopian world, we are all forced to be married to Cumberbatch because that's what his species wants. Right. <laughs> so I guess I have to welcome our new Cumberbatch overlord yeah. <laughs> and marry him, kill RDJ because fuck that. <laughs> that leaves the other guy. So sure. He used to be married to Angelina Jolie. He'd have some... Moves. Good moves. stories. Yeah. yeah. Okay, <laughs> cool. I like it. And yeah, so by the transitive property, it would be like banging a young Angelina Jolie. If you close her eyes, she's kind of feminine. Hmm. You know. Remember when there was that whole thing with her and her brother? She made out yeah, with him. That yeah. went away, but didn't. <laughs> but not for you. Never for you. <laughs> Never. Uh, and curmudgeonly British gits, uh, Damon O'Brien of Blur, uh, Morrissey of The Smiths and Morrissey, or Pete Townsend of The Who. Now, this is all, all three members when they're in their... In their prime. Ish. I was going to say sexual prime, but I don't think that's ever a thing I you think of think with British rock stars. Sexual prime. No. No. <laughs> Everything's gross. Had that gross. one song, remember, about ten years ago about having a sexual prime. Do you not remember that? Then you're about not a very good person. Having powder kegs. Oh God, yeah. For balls. On, that was really bad. Yeah, on you were the quarry. Yeah. Hmm. Because mm. I was going to say, okay, so if they're not in their sexual prime, or at least their hypothetical sexual prime. Mm. I would just scorch the earth with these three. Yeah. I think they've, they've outlived their usefulness. It's a cross. Yeah. It's a cross. Does it have to be me who bangs Morrissey? Or can it... No, you can kill Morrissey. I'm, I would be shocked if you didn't kill Morrissey. No, I mean, like, if we're, if we're banging Morrissey... Because you've already saved killing for someone oh, else. Okay. <laughs> can, like... I mean, do I have to be the one to do it? Or can I just say someone needs to do it to get him out of his depressive state? <laughs> I guess maybe I could take that bullet. Can you can take... Yeah. So, like, whatever, do that just because it might shut him up or give him something else to talk about. Um, what does that leave? I don't know. Kill Pete Townsend because he's a weird guy, and I guess that leaves Mary Damon Albarn. Um, oh my god! You get to like go to some interesting parties and like meet I don't know Tracy Emin and fucking half a shark guy. Who's that guy? Damien Hurst. Damien Hurst. Yeah. And every yeah, and every six months you get to just like throw some syllables together and slag off the Gallagher brothers. Yeah, yeah. You get to drink like a ton of free booze at all those events and like slag off all the bad art. And I know you get to meet like. The other guys from Blair? Yeah. Who are actually pretty cool, I think. Mm. Like, what's his name? Writes a column for The Spectator. Oh, um, the one who's a the big farmer. One. Yeah. Alex, Alex James. Alex James. Yeah. yeah, he's a bit of a knob these days, but you know. <laughs> he is. He writes about like artisanal cheeses and things like that. Yeah. Gumboots. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Whatever. So I guess I guess that's where I'm, where I'm landing on that. <clears throat> All right. So you're taking one for the team, by which I mean like all of humanity, by yeah. giving Morrissey a good one? Yes. Yeah. It's a big team, but yeah, yeah someone's going to do it. Uh, and finally, three of Matt Wiener's greatest contributions to society, uh, Don Draper from Mad Men, Anthony Soprano from The Sopranos, or Ted Danson's Becker. So this is Anthony Soprano, like Tony Soprano, not Anthony Jr. Oh God, no. Right. Oh, kill. Because that would be kill, kill clearly. Yeah. 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 I mean, Tony Soprano's a sociopath, so you would want to kill him, but I wouldn't. I like Tony Soprano. <laughs> well, Carmella just I seemed to like, deal with it. The question is, who would be worse to be married to, Don Draper or Tony Soprano? I think, like... They both yeah. buy you so many pretty things. Don Draper will turn you into a husk of a person, <laughs> whereas Tony Soprano... Will kind of make you evil. Yeah. I'd rather be evil than be a husk of a person. I'm with so you on that one. I'm marrying Tony just, Soprano. Just for something to do with your day, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So marrying Soprano... 
No, I'm marrying... No, screw it. I'm marrying Becca. I really like Becca. Really? Yeah. I like his... He is a divorcee. Yeah, he, but so... he's, you know, he's curmudgeonly, but he has a good heart and uh, he's, you know, fighting the good fight, doing doctor stuff for people. <laughs> in really Bronx. begrudgingly for a guy who's supposed oh, to be yeah, a health that, practitioner. No, that's, that's, that's his whole... That's the screen he puts up, but really he wouldn't be... He, like, accepts, like, cupcakes for payment and stuff. He's a good guy. He's okay. a good guy. So, he would, he, he, would, yeah. he would accept cupcakes for sexual favors <laughs> yeah. as well. as some sort of disturbing well, bartering butter, system. You've got to do something to keep the, you know, keep the, the spice happening. Yeah, yeah, keep the flame alive. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm... I guess I'm banging Don Draper, why not? And I'm killing Becca. Just, I don't know, he's, he's curmudgeonly... I think Don Draper would just, like... He would just sit, sit there and because like, he's so you, used to you would have to do sex on him yeah well I just think he's so used to 50s sex where guys are like I'm done I'm going home <laughs> um, you know he would just be lifeless there would be nothing going on there but it would be over with quickly you could raid his liquor cabinet afterwards as well because he and would probably have before top shelf shit yeah so you know that would be a fringe benefit Mm, of that's, true. Draper. that's true okay thank you for letting me see the light yeah. well 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 that's it for podcast the movie for another week that was not too painful no I didn't I didn't hate that it that was sheer torture <laughs> <laughs> fuck you if you think that's torture you wait <laughs> until after I press record rocking back and forth and quietly weeping and will be for the next three days I don't like stop Morrissey. until that happens <laughs> um if I want to find out anything more, of course, our Twitter feed at Podcast the Movie or the SoundCloud page, 